Happy New Year, Camp Pros! My name is Jotham, and I'm the editor for the Day Camp Pod. I just wanted to come on to say hi, but also to say thank you for listening to and supporting the Day Camp Pod into 2023. We truly couldn't be here without you, our listeners. We've got a unique mini-pod from the archives lined up for you today that was originally recorded in June 2020. This episode is set within the context of the uncertainty COVID brought to us that summer, but it is absolutely packed full of unique ideas and tips that you can use to maximize your camp's revenue. Another big thanks goes out to our sponsors, CRS, providing the camp world with the best recreation solutions, and Camptivities, a schedule builder designed for camp people by camp people. We'll be back in two weeks with some more new episodes of the Day Camp Pod. Let's dive in. If you're able to utilize your camp facilities more than day camp, then listen to this mini podcast with my friend H. Rothenberg of Triple C and Camp Coach fame as we quickly discuss the ins and outs of year-round weekend and pre- and post-camp programming, corporate events, schools, private parties, fundraisers, and maybe even a renaissance fair. The possibilities are practically limited. This is the Day Camp Pod. This is the Day Camp Pod from Go Camp Pro, bringing you the best ideas, strategies, and discussions in the day camp industry. You can find our show notes at daycamppodcast.com. A big thanks to our sponsors who make the Day Camp Pod possible. The Day Camp Podcast is brought to you by CRS, Commercial Recreation Specialists. Find purveyors of the best recreation solutions to keep camp going strong. Check out their website at crs4rec.com. CRS is serious about fun. If scheduling was a headache for you in 2022, come check out Camptivities. Camptivities is specifically designed for camps by camp people. Save time, money, and resources to create your best diverse activity schedule yet. Find out more at camptivities.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another mini day camp podcast. We're joined today with my friend, the, the tall guy with the short name, H. Woo! It works. Short first name, long last name. <laughs> and uh, I'm so fortunate and appreciative to have this opportunity to be with you uh, talk, talking camp uh, in these times when we're mostly inside. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that we were thinking is like, what could people be planning now? Right. If you're going to likely have less revenue this summer, right, even if everything goes back to normal and people are just getting the heebie jeebies, right, that you're, you're likely going to have less revenue. And you might be considering other options to um, to keep the money flowing. Right. And um, so a lot of people who may not have been, you know, amenable to using their facilities for other things may be thinking about this. So so tell me, H, tell us about the program that you and Libby and the team have developed at Triple C over the years. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, we were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to purchase Triple C Camp in 1999, uh, just shortly before you began with Liberty Lake. Mm-hmm. And Triple C Camp before us was run as an overnight camp and then as a day camp uh, by a nonprofit organization and then a private organization. And then Libby and I had the opportunity to purchase it in the winter of 99 with the summer of 2000 being our first summer. Before we worked at Triple C, Libby came from the Girl Scouts and I came from a combination of a private camp, boys camp in northern Wisconsin. And then I also, uh, along with Libby, directed a nonprofit outside of Chicago for a few years. And so what you certainly learn, whether it be in the Girl Scout world or in the nonprofit world, do as much as you can with as little as you can and really maximize dollars and make sure that uh, your bottom line is benefited 
by added extra income because our first focus and our priority and our passion and our love is our summer camp program. And at Triple C, what we wound up doing was operating each summer for either 11 or 12 weeks based on the summer and the season. So that just there by itself, operating for 12 weeks, most weeks of the summer is a unique thing because I think most camps around the country are operating for eight or nine weeks, maybe with a, a week of staff training for a week and then eight weeks, even in the day camp world. In our community, we were asked, and there's tremendous need for families. So we identified the need and then we added the opportunity and we staffed accordingly so that we could operate an extra three to four weeks, but also generate that extra income. Right. And, you know, you're touching on, you know, something that we talk about a lot in this podcast, which is business. <laughs> a lot of people get into the camp world. And they don't really think about business, they think about making the world a, a happier place. Uh, but they don't think about the gas you got to put in the tank in order to make that happen. Right. And, and the, you know, one of the, one of the most like true essence of business things is to identify needs and fill people's needs. Right. Absolutely. And, and in the day camp world, like the most obvious one is childcare. Right. And um, ending a, um, you know, school season ends, school season starts. If you've got 11, 12 weeks, well, you're just not maximizing your revenue if you're not utilizing that. And another interesting thing that we did was we made our week one for campers and for staff. So we have staff training in week one, but we also have usually about 60 campers. Our private schools in our community are out at that time. They're not in school anymore. And so those private school kids come to our camp the first week of June along with our first-year staff, and our returning staff work with those week one campers. So our first-year staff get the opportunity to see campers and staff doing camp on the property and people who have been around for a while who know camp. And, of course, that makes more trainings for us the week before. We're doing returning staff trainings the week before that. But it is so worth it because the revenue that we generate from that week one campers pays for our staff for week one. Wow, so we that, wind is, up, that is brilliant. It's, it's phenomenal. We wind up with, with really with net positive in our first week when most camps throughout the country are, are expense only with staff. Have you ever heard of any other camp that does this? Um, this is really interesting. Thank you. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. My wife has always been our CFO. Uh-huh. And, and philosophically, I want to have all the staff together, right, during that, that staff training week and let the new staff meet the old staff. Well, we found after about three weeks of camp, it doesn't make a difference anyway. You know, once you're into week three or week four, the returning staff, the first-year staff, if you, we've done our job, they've all blended anyway. So we have some strategic things during our first week. We have a staff overnight. We do a staff name game. You know, when we have campers and we have staff training going on, we have our, um, instead of having campers for an overnight, we have all of our staff together for like a Thursday overnight, which they're going to do during the summer with the kids. We have eight overnights mm-hmm. uh, d- during the summer. So that's just an opportunity then to grow and develop that staff together during that overnight. And then we find other times for those staff who are in training to come over and spend time with the campers and the staff, especially the second half of week of the week once they're they're learning their program. So, right. so that well, is one opportunity, certainly. And uh, I, I just want, let's, let's just clarify, like 
H has got a, a pretty prime situation there, Triple C, taking over a former resident camp, right? Most people don't have that kind of facilities to be able to do, you know, like sleep away, sleepovers in the middle of camp. But, but that being said, like, I don't have the facilities and we do a similar thing with tents, you know, and, and lean-tos and things like that. So you just got to be creative. Having, having overnights in day camp should be part of your strategy. And as you build relationships with parents, the, the goal being for kids to have the opportunity to go to an overnight camp, they may or they may not, but by coming and spending an overnight with you at camp, you have that opportunity. So let's say you're at a school or you're at a church. There are ways certainly to have overnights where kids are going to be comfortable. You know, a lot of camps have their actual overnight camps that have platform tents, you know, so, so kids, and they're paying thousands and thousands of dollars and like a thousand dollars a week to go to an overnight camp with platform tents. So I, I think yep. as day camps, that is an extra revenue opportunity. We may not be able to do that this summer, having people sleep together, you know, from a day camp setting that might not be the best PR, but put it in your planning for your future. How can you accomplish overnights? If you're charging 40 or $50 for an overnight, and you're giving the kids still food, dinner, evening snack, which is always s'mores, and breakfast. That's not going to cost us 40 or $50. The extra money for the staff will be a little bit, but it is going to be net positive for your business by adding overnights if you're not currently doing them. And you're filling a need because then the parents get to go out. <laughs> I love it, right? Because you guys have some Absolutely. Money. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. So, so uh, what do you, what goes on, on the weekends during the summer at Triple C? Sure, I think it's really important um, whether, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about our facility and our program and what we do. Mm-hmm. I also want to open up people's minds and possibilities to off their facility and, you know, ways to generate income. But on our property in the summertime, we host um, church groups, sometimes for overnights and certainly day ropes programs. We have many corporate groups. We have a full ropes course that has about, uh, 15 to 18 low elements and seven or eight high elements, including, you know, a 35 foot tower and 500 foot zip line. Those types of sexy activities are attracted to people to come to your space. So even if you're running a camp at a school, find out if you can use it on the weekend. What do you have activity wise that people will want to come and do? And then we can add in all the other camp things that we know that build relationships, that grow people together, that impact people who come to our programming, but the hook is still going to be the sexy activity for people to come to your program. So whether it be a blow-up Gaga pit, because people have heard about Gaga and you you happen to have a blow-up Gaga pit or a portable one for that matter, or if you happen to have uh, some type of a special game or event, maybe you use, you have like an an all-camp squirt gun fight or something that has become famous amongst your campers, Now, maybe you offer that on the weekend. Maybe you offer it to your camp families. Maybe you offer it to a corporate group. Maybe you offer it uh, to a church-type group or program looking for opportunities to generate revenue. Of course, in the summertime, you have more staff at your disposal. So somebody who's that really great summer staffer who's maybe second or third year on staff with you, fourth year, but is a college student looking to make extra money, wants to make an impact, is available on a Saturday or Sunday. You have a program, now you're bringing in a staff member who's passionate, uh, or, or you look to do those types of things. You're, if you don't want to have the expense of the staff, make sure that your key leadership, the people who work with you year-round, have their certifications. For example, we own, uh, at our max, we owned eight buses you know, to transport our kids back and forth. 
Well, one of the first things that my wife and I both did is we got our commercial driver's license. If a group wants to be driven to our property, we can charge them potentially an extra three, four, five hundred dollars. And if I'm the driver and it's a bus that we already have, then my fuel is my only expense. And so certifications, I think, are really important to maximize our net positive. Yeah. And and if and if you're not if you don't have to battle minimum wage and overtime issues like I do in New Jersey and, and a couple other states have to do, then, you know, the staff thing, staff's always looking to make extra money on the weekends, right? And, you know, you're, you're talking about, well, you know, the expense of staff. The expense of staff is, is, is minuscule compared to what you can charge people for the use of your facilities on the weekends, right? You, you're talking about, um, you know, rentals. I'm, I'm, I have parties. I have, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 parties with, you know, a thousand people, 2000, 3000 people that we cater. And so your and your Renaissance event in addition to that. Well, right? yeah. Renaissance fair is, is quite a thing. I, I don't recommend that to anybody unless you really have a passion for crazy stuff, but, <laughs> well, you, but that's the kind of example. I think that's important to discuss Andy, because yes, if you operate your own facility, then you choose who's coming into your property. And if you don't own your own property the way that Andy and and the way that we do, then you may need permission for the type of people that you're going to be bringing to your property. And you want to make sure that it fits your mission. We can't just go for money at all costs and where are we dropping bags? We need to make sure that, uh, you know, that, that it fits our mission, that we're supporting the property because come Monday, we're going to be ready for our three, you know, you have over 700 campers, right? We have 350 campers. You know, if on the weekend we have a program at camp, by the time that program's over and we've generated the income, well, it's got to be back and ready for our 350 campers, our 75 staff on Monday morning. And if it's not, then we're really not true to our mission. And we're certainly not supporting the children the way that we want to. Right. Yeah. I have uh, one group that stays late on Sunday and I have to bring in a crew at five in the morning to make sure it gets cleaned up. But that, it's worth that, it. That time between when they leave and 5 a.m. must be very stressful for you because you're really not. It is, to... but my property's pitch black. And I don't have lights. So there's nothing I can really do about it except do the sleep. <laughs> and then the other thing that H was alluding to was bringing people to your property. Plain and simple. I'm pretty sure that if I walked to H's property right now, I'd go, wow, this place is really nice. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in Charlottesville that have no idea how nice it is because they just haven't been there. So if you can lure them in through corporate events, charity fundraisers, a renaissance fair, whatever, a circus, like to get them to come there and go, oh, and, and what do they do here? Oh, they right. do after school programs. Right. Oh, we should do that after school program. I got a, I got a flyer for it every year. Tell oh, us about right. the after school programs. Yeah. So and and birthday parties. You know, I I, f- I think that all of these what we call non summer revenue, even when it happens in the summertime, we still call it because it's not summer camp. So what we call our non summer a birthday party, an after school program, schools day out, spring break, all of these types of things, they feed summer camp. And then summer camp feeds these extra programs that we have because we see, you know, we're in a a town, you mentioned Charlottesville, Virginia, where we are, even our County serves about 110, 120,000 people. It's a lot of people. We're not very big. And so we really have to maximize our relationships and everybody needs to know that we're the place for these types of events. The after school program actually is something that for the last 20 years, I have not wanted to do to the level that our staff are actually implementing for what we're going to be doing. So the after-school program is actually a new thing for us. We've been doing 
team building, in school team building, and at our property team building, where we'll go into an elementary school and work with fifth graders for six weeks for an hour a week. Uh, we'll go into high schools and work with some of the more, quote, at-risk kids that have been identified uh, by principals and assistants to do different programming. All of those programs also come to us. So I always was in the mindset of let's fill our schedule with as many of those day or potential overnight programs. If they come for a night or two nights or three nights, we can make generate ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars from a group, including food service program. If they're bringing a hundred people or more, if they're bringing ten people, it's a totally different kind of an experience and a happening. So also things you would need to decide. So our team this year, this spring based on what we're dealing with, with the COVID-19, et cetera, has decided that in the fall, we're going to do after-school program for two of our local elementary schools. And they've had, uh, before um, the schools closed, we had extensive meetings and conversations with our local elementary schools. There is a need. They are overflowing at after-school. And so the after-school program is overflowing, and our children happen to be, have gone through this one after-school program. So people who we know really well, and, and they're, they're really bleed, and they're not doing a good program. And I think we know that as camp people, stereotypically, when there's a really good program out there, you meet with the primaries, you talk with them about the things that they're doing, how they're doing it, and then can you support them by running a program in conjunction with them, or are you going to wind up taking them and being competition for them? Yeah, and, and look, YMCA's have been doing this for years, okay? There's, in the area my camp is located in South Jersey, most of the after-school programs seem to be run by YMCA's. So, yeah. so, so they're, they're doing it, and, and you can do it too. And, and like H said, it's overflowing, right? There's more kids who don't, get, you know, who don't go straight home at 3 o'clock than That's there right. are kids that go straight home at 3 o'clock. And if you can maximize kids who have already been coming to your camp or know about you, then that's also going to spread for kids who are in that school or after school program, then potentially coming. So there's some logistics. You know, we are bringing uh, one of our buses to the elementary school and we're picking kids up. We're bringing them back. We've got a couple of staff members who are going to be working along with our year round staff. Uh, we're anticipating smaller numbers to start as more. And so we'll have maximums uh, that we allow at the beginning. And then as time goes on, we're hoping that this program grows. We're supporting the schools. We're generating income. We're giving more of our staff jobs. And we're running a great program for the children. And they get to be outside interacting with each other. And, and on a short little uh, rabbit trail, I'm going to take you, Andy. I think it's really important that we recognize that camps could be the first time the kids are coming out of this quarantine and that they're going to be together because most schools are closed through the spring. There's the possibility certainly that we'll have campers this summer at camp. And even if we're restricted in numbers, a lot of people are going to still run their programs. We're going to be that first experience for kids and for families. Um, after, you know, they're not, going to, they're not going to be on baseball teams right away. They're not going to be on soccer teams or going to piano lessons or other things. I think they're going to be going to camp and maybe not in huge numbers yet, but I, I think that's a real opportunity for our industry and we need to be ready. And I know one place to get ready is listening to the day camp pod. 
Oh, HR demand. You know, one thing you just mentioned I want to follow up on, you said staying on brand, right? And, you know, there's brand for kids and there's brands for adults too. We uh, were, we did a wine tasting, a, like a wine fe- middle of mini wine festival kind of thing. And yes. we were worried about the whole brand thing. And yes. it turned out that our camp parents were really psyched about it. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Because yeah. it's hard. To, I mean, camp parents always say they want to come to camp, they want to come to camp, they want to come to camp. But when, it, when you open up a weekend for parents and it's like parents can come and climb and zip, the numbers are small because they're still focused on their kids and their kids' activities. Right. Well, one I last thing is the wine tasting idea because it's an adult event. Yeah. Well, one thing I just want to touch on really quick what, what you're talking about, H, and what we're talking about here, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, right? And by the end of the summer, a lot of us are, are toast right? We're burnt out. I think you have to think about how you delegate also, and you have to include people. And this can be added revenue for people. They could be part-time year-rounders, right? Right. Part-time year-rounders. So let me explain how how we've handled that then. So for the first 10 or 12 years or so, I was in charge of everything. Our summer summer day camp, our overnights during the summer, our weekend programs in the summer, our year-round programming. And then we got a little smarter because I was super burned out. And, um, I wound up, we wound up hiring a, uh, a year round, let's say a team building coordinator or, you know, nature and environmental science, uh, coordinator, people who are going to be able to handle the program part, but also the admin part. And one thing that we know about camp people, they're usually good at one or the other. It is hard to find people who are superstars at administration and sales and being a superstar program person. So when you find that person, hold on to that and put that as part of your planning. Look for someone for six months. Don't just look for the first person and hire that one person because chances are you're going to be looking for somebody again in about three to six months because it's not going to work out. And if you can bring that person from within, even better because you know them, they know you, where expectations lie, and make sure that they're clear. Right, right. I have a full-time guy that does my non-camp events, and he pays for himself. Uh, yes. There's no doubt about it. And, and, he, and part of it is, is by taking it off of my radar screen. All right? Right. And, and you have a level of trust. How long has he been with you? Oh, he's been 14 years now. Sure. But the fact is, he's a great sales guy. And that's sort of what you need. You need a salesperson to close these deals because that's what it is, right? This is Does different. Do any of the program or is he relinquishing that to somebody else? Little bits, but he oversees the whole process. But uh, he's really his primary thing is just getting people signed up. And, and you're established. And I think when people are first starting out, they're they're very often going to need someone to wear multiple hats. Yeah, and and kind of do that juggle and yeah. balance. Yeah, and, until you build up the revenue that could pay for that kind of thing. Absolutely. Like hey, listen. Hard. It's a mini pod, H. So we're gonna we're gonna yes, continue sir. this ne- next year. Once all you guys get your your brain sorted out out of this COVID nineteen, and you realize you need to be doing some things other than day camp at your places, uh, we're gonna do a full length pod, and we'll bring in some other people that do this kind of thing. But I just want to close with one comment. That's something that that H alluded to about thirty times, but never said outright. Is that you become a vital part of your community when you do this, right? Is that you don't want to be seen as just the camp that the lucky kids get to go to. You want to be seen as a, as a, as a part, because you are a wonderful, nice part, your youth development professional for God's sakes. And if you can do things in conjunction with the schools and the local charities and local organizations and be a resource to them, 
you, you're just up in your game. And, and a wise person said to me one time, and I say it all the time, that if you're a really great day camp director, you should be able to run for mayor in your town. And that's the kind, yeah, you are your own town, but I'm <laughs> talking about the town you're actually in right, right, right. And, and, and doing these kind of things and positioning yourself. And, and, you know, the best part of the Renaissance fair for me was not the fun of the Renaissance fair. It was the look of all the people on the township committees when I came in the next time and they were like, Oh, I brought my grandkids. They had such a good time. And I did like that, that everybody was actually starting to utilize my community problem. relations, you know, putting, you know, if, if, if your camp writes goals, put community relationships in your goals. And mm-hmm. as you're building your community relations, uh, you know, th- people should visit your camp, be at your camp, be involved, know what's happening, know what's going on. You want to be a player in your community as a local day camp. There's a good chance that our day camps are going to be open this summer. I hope our overnight camps are open. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough. Yep, and we're going to need that help from the local boards. There's no doubt about it. All right, thank you, H. Of the local people. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you in the fall. All right, thanks to our Go Camp Pro team, our dedicated sponsors, ACA New York, New Jersey, Commercial Recreation Specialists, and AM Skyer for allowing us to bring this podcast to you. If you don't want to miss an episode of Day Camp Pod, then you should subscribe, for God's sakes. All right, if you like what you're hearing, give us a nice rating as well. Check out our show notes from this and other episodes at daycamppodcast.com, as well as contact info uh, about our hosts like H at campcoach.com, right? Coach he, at he, campcoach.com, but that's all good. Coach at Well, but the website's campcoach.com, isn't it? Right? Because he will, he, he will be happy to bestow wisdom upon you. All right? Thanks for listening and making yourself a better day camp professional. We'll be back real soon with another episode of the Day Camp Pod. The Day Camp Podcast is brought to you by Go Camp Pro and the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network. Find a podcast for camp professionals of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, camp pros. We love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, if you've gotten even one good idea from a Go Camp Pro podcast, a masterclass, from the Summer Camp Pros group on Facebook, at a conference, or wherever else, we ask that you give credit where credit is due. That way, we can encourage camp pros to keep freely sharing their brilliant ideas and make the camp industry.